Shall we go for it? Go for it. All right.
forward, one step backward, one step forward. Sorry, I can't help it. This is Karel Tunador. Uh, if you don't know that already, oh my God! If you don't know that already, well, I, what the heck? I, then what are you doing here? Well, I'm just no, kidding, I, just I, you know. Well, no, they could be fans of the road taken. We have, we have. I'm trying to see who's here. Wait, I have to give a shout out because this woman, Kimberly Ann, said that she was going to get Wi-Fi on the plane just so she could they watch the show. Wi-Fi on the so. Yeah, they do. It's totally fake. Have you seen the 9-11 truth or stuff? They do not have <laughs> Wi-Fi. We've been on JetBlue. They have <laughs> Wi-Fi on the flight. But, okay, so let's see who's who's uh, here of your friends. Brad, uh, Elaine, uh, Elaine, Lori Nelson, Bruce Dichter, Stephanie Weaver. Hi. David Myers. Anyway, a lot of people are watching. Corral. Um, what's the name of the song and what, where can people find that? Um, that song is called Beep Ho. Yes. And I played it with one of my bands back in the day. So okay. they can email me at my website and I will send them a version. Because I've got a couple records out, but I've you got do. a ton and of stuff that is not recorded. I had to take out two copies of your CD because <laughs> I've totally destroyed oh, right I've totally destroyed this one. Um, but uh, no tomorrow's uh, Corolla Tunador CD. And I only have um, early morning on on my computer. I don't have a physical version. Ah, really? I, I have a physical version now. Oh, yes. Wait, be All right, we need you to... Um, okay, there so here... You know, I never have this. Okay. No, they don't even make CD players anymore, so why are they in my you bag? Know, you know what? I don't even have a CD thing in my thing or in my car. But Harry can do it for me, so early morning is the other one. And I was listening to Corel all day today, and I was just telling him that I really think you, you need to write a Broadway musical, a rock Broadway musical, because if Elton John and Sting can do it, Cindy Lauper can do it, you can do it. Uh, a few of your songs really lend themselves to that. You, because you're a really great storyteller. Thank you. And um, what's the artichoke? What's artichoke? Oh, the town of artichoke. The yeah. town of also artichoke not is released. like. I have that almost all the way recorded, but not released. Yeah. That's it's really like cool. a twenty-verse folk song. It's really cool. And it's uh, it's basically I call it uh, Romeo and the Grapes of Solitude. <laughs> so it's like the love story meets the lickety split wagons going west. And, you have uh, some amazing. You read a hundred years of solitude, right? No. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I did not. It is you got you are about to. Okay. It follows this uh, South American family through about a hundred years of just trippy, flowery writing and weird, wow. surreal, magical drama. It's really beautiful. So kind of melt those into a little. Song in the give, give a little, give a little, give a little, give a little It does. It's <laughs> great. But you have you also your your whole love song things. The is it called? This is not a love song. What is it's it called? The out of love song. The yeah. out of love song. We can do more than love songs. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll do more. We'll do more music later. Before we get really into things. Um, by the way. I want to say hi to Zoe Moon, who, oh. because if it weren't for Zoe, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. My soul Zoe, sister, yeah. Yeah, Zoe uh, connected us. She married you, didn't she? She, well, she married James. But she, no, she, she appreciated my yet. ceremony. But no, but didn't, didn't, she appreciated your ceremony, right? And so it, it just so happens that our sponsor, who we love, Rick Smokey, made the Zoe Moon calendar oh. that, that we're in. And um, he also made hey, my tissue box. 
think yes, of it. she you didn't marry James funny. yet, but I think that's probably coming. And my business course, Rick Smokey, Quick Impressions in Chicago. We love you, Zoe Moon. I love Zoe made this for me. Oh, wow. And some these are that not looks all like my her children. living room. They're not. They're, they're, everything Zoe is very identifiable. By the way, Zoe Moon is like a world-renowned astrologer, and she is the best. There's like not a decision that I make without asking. Like, when should I make the phone call? When should I pitch this or whatever? She actually went back in time and mentored the woman who was Nancy Reagan's astrologer. <laughs> so that's pretty high up there. You have security clearances, temporal waivers, all sorts of things you have to do for that. Um, anyway, she made this and it kind of has like a little crystal ball, but somewhere on here you exist because this is pictures of like everybody who did Women Who Write for the first oh, few wow. years and so you're on here somewhere. Um, and then also I wanted to give a shout out to Nicole Venables at the Ruby Begonia Salon. My hairstyles, who I finally saw and I'm so happy. And she has these great products. This is like a Love Your Dry Locks leave-in. This is a purple shampoo for us blondes. This great spray. And all of her stuff is available at the Ruby Begonia Salon in Studio City. But it's also available at friendsbeautysupply.com. And, um, and her stuff is smell great. Good. She does. <laughs> her stuff smells really good. And she smells really good. And she's really fantastic. Nicole Venables. Love her. Um, and I love you. And I'm so happy that you're here. Corel. Has, did you do um, Women Who Write just once or? Once. Oh, well, twice. We did the one here in your salon. Yes. And we did the one up it uh, in the middle of the Redwood Forest. We did it at, at the Henry Miller Library in yeah. Big Sur. And Mike Nesmith came out of retirement mm -hmm. to perform. That was the first day he performed in, I believe, that was 17 years. It was really trippy seeing him. It was cool. Wasn't Especially it? Especially because it was all electronica and weird, you know? Yeah, it was fantastic. And then. Right after that, he did a little tour of Europe, and then he rejoined the monkeys. As right after that happened, so it's because of us. What he wants to yeah. do at that point, oh, I'm cool. not sure it would rejoin the monkeys. <laughs> um, and so, actually, uh, Mike and Mickey are out on their own this summer. They're going out just the two of them. Yeah. So that's uh, coming up and they're very not soon. The Eminem tour because they, uh, he, the uh, rapper guy, owns was not that. like yeah, that. Yeah, phonetically, you can trademark phonetics as well. So can you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> But okay, so anyway, so yeah, so we have we have a little bit of history, and you know, I was trying to figure out when that was. That was like at least six years ago. I'm thinking that was a while ago. But I'm only nineteen. Yes, there you go. <laughs> okay, so we want we want to know about uh, when you were nineteen, or actually before you were yeah. nineteen. So, for those of you who don't know, Corel plays. You, you, I called you instrument fluid. Oh, uh, that's the new terminology instead of yeah. um, multi instrumental. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that's more politically correct these days. Guitar, keyboard, sax, accordion. What was first? I grew up playing piano. Okay. And did, did you like, were you forced to or did you want to? Uh, we were forced to. Yeah. But there's you know, every kid sort of wants to, but when it really comes down to it, what kid wants to work every single day when they're you know four, five, six, seven, eight? So you you have to be forced to in the same sense that. Anyone who does karate or soccer, no, you signed up, you're going to practice, you know. I made Harry take uh, piano. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's good, kids should take piano. It's good for spatial relations, it's good for... It's good for math and, uh -huh. and science, mm -hmm. from what exactly. I understand. Yeah. Um, not in the direct way that people, as soon as you say, oh, it's a four chord, I told you music was math, not like that. <laughs> but it's about, you know, uh, seeing maybe three-dimensionally and, you know, counterpoints and... You're already, like, way over my head. So, how old were you when you started doing that? Probably four or five. Oh wow, really little. Okay, and so when did you, when did it become not a chore and a pleasure? 
Um, is there, does that happen? No. <laughs> um, 2024. <laughs> Seriously. Come on, you had to start loving music. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. Um, probably, you know, when you're a kid, anytime you're banging around and it's fun, it's, it's fun, you know. Uh, when you start getting a little older in your teens and playing in bands, you know, that's when it's really fun. Okay, so by the time you were playing in bands, was piano still your only instrument? Or? Um, no, I mean, I was playing, you know, bad bass guitar in high school rock bands. And, Did you, you teach know, yourself or did you take lessons? Yeah, no, no, I mean, actually the best thing you can learn about as a piano player, especially if you learn ear training and sort of things, is mm -hmm. a good sense of metaphor. So when you switch around from instruments to instruments, at least on a you know, rock song level. Yeah. It's, um, I'm going to make you cheat and talk to them a little bit. Oh, I, I'm gonna, no. Yeah, because we so don't, because I looked at the show last week and like, I was in profile the entire show and it's mm -hmm. like, I guess it's annoying for people out there. So we're going to, I'm going to make you well, cheat and like I'll show you, talk to the peoples there. Um, no, I didn't mean, I just, we just, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're playing in bands, just having fun, you know? Okay. But before you got to playing in band, like, when did you decide, oh, music is a good thing because so I can play in a band and probably, I think, get girls and that's I probably I think it was like maybe, I don't know why I would remember this because it was, it just kind of seemed like what the inevitable thing. There was a point when I was in like early high school yeah. where I was like, maybe I should go in the Air Force and become a pilot because I really want to be able to fly. Wow. Um, and I didn't do that. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> music was the only other I, I think you made a good choice. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're a very little kid. You're playing piano. Do you know then that like that's what you want to do? No, no. I can't imagine. Like flying um, planes was pretty exciting. Did you do sports? Yeah, you know, as as any kid does, you know. But, nice. um, Some music kids don't. You no, know, then do I would say casually, sure, casually, you know. Um, casually, but so okay. So when did the passion take? Like okay, so you're probably when, in high school. I think whenever you know whatever generation I'm from, you yeah. Know, um, you know, started playing in rock bands in high school, and uh, at a certain point, you heard a few first few. Like for me, it was even though I go back and listen, and they're not timeless. But like the first, when Jane's Addiction really broke, there was a whole new level of kind of uh, like what the Doors were back in the day when they kind of brought a little sense of danger. At least mm -hmm. it seems like that to a high school kid back yeah. in, and there was actually real lyrics going on. Um, <clears throat> and you know, that's what my friends and I were into at the time. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So, you know, were, you, um, were you covering like Jane's Addiction? Like no, actually, um, I was playing bass in bands. I, like, it, I went to a relatively, I mean, like a 1200 kid high school in the mm -hmm. suburbs. So, oh, there was only what, oh. uh, Pittsburgh. Uh -huh. um, and I you know have friends still back there, all, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of friends back there. But the size, there, was, there weren't like that many high school bands where I was. There mm -hmm. was a group of us who played music and we would play with each other, you know what I mean? So, I was. That's what he said. You know, also, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was Catholic school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knuckles, I had to was it all you. boys? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be um, fun. But uh, no, it's just whatever tunes people knew, you know. So you just picked up bass and you taught yourself. Because other people played guitar and just so what it was. So did you? Realize... I was playing piano there, and I was playing in the school band, playing saxophone, just because. You know, okay, wait, you no, you're already playing three well, instruments. Well, no, but that's, it's all a sense of, like I said, it's a sense of metaphor, you know. It's, you're playing Yeah, but not group. everybody's playing three instruments. Yeah, more people are, I think, than you then would realize. I mean, I was know. playing, I taught myself folk guitar, I was playing 
clarinet in the school orchestra, but I was cheating and I was terrible and mm -hmm. I couldn't really play. Um, and I wasn't very good at anything. I mean, you know, you, you, know you can't play piano in a school band, so yeah, give the kid a clarinet, a tuba, a saxophone. It was more like that sort of thing. So did they choose saxophone for you? Or did no, you I had to it? go, actually, I literally had to go through clarinet and tuba to get to saxophone because all these did older you, kids got Yeah, I, I, I missed well, out you, on you, the flute. You play clarinet because your parents have one. You play oh. tuba because you don't want to play clarinet, and they say, well, there's no <laughs> openings in the saxophone. <laughs> so, so there were too many kids playing saxophone. Yeah, so yeah. eventually I was allowed to play that, and then when I was time to get out of high school, I was like, you know, playing bass in a rock band, but I didn't want to be a bass player, I didn't want to be a piano player, um, and that was the only other instrument. So I was like, okay, I'll go to music school for what? I don't know, and I literally was looking at the box, like, what is your instrument? And I was like, mm, saxophone, sure. Right. So, <laughs> so was saxophone your primary instrument? Just through, through college. Okay. So that was what I did Berkeley? most of my, right. Okay. So I did most of my studying of actual like, okay, let's sit for four hours a day and play scales and, you know, play jazz gigs and that whole thing. But I was never, I was always, you know, when I discovered Tom Waits and, you know, actually really discovered the Beatles and, you know, that level of songwriting, mm -hmm. um, you know, Paul Simon's, you know, 70s stuff and Rhythm of the Saints, like that was more what I always felt drawn to. So it wasn't necessarily what you were playing in bands, but it was yeah. your personal yeah. call. Okay, mm -hmm. so, and when did you start songwriting? Um, around then, in my early 20s, you know. And I was lucky to play in an awesome uh, band in Boston that was, it was all original. You know, we was like, you know, we'd, we'd play covers because you were at the bar, but we were writing our own music, the same story everyone has, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, I was an 18 year old kid, and given the time frame, it was like, you know, I don't know, lots of three part. It was almost like a, it sounds very dated, but. At the time, it was almost like a Crosby, Stills, and Nash vocals on a Spin Doctors rhythm section <laughs> with, you know, kind of pop rock songwriting. It sounds terrible. It was actually a really fun band. It was a great band. No, that sounds um, funny. But all that the guys in the band were a bit, were a little bit older than me, mm -hmm. and they were super encouraging. Of course, you should sing. Of course, you should write. You know, instead nice. of like, no, no, you're just, the, you know, just the, you know. So it was a really, uh, really good, good group of people. And actually, we're paying it back. Tell my buddy JT, he's up north. Um, JT, the John, the drummer, and so his son Oliver is now a guitar player. So we're making sure we all, all of our friends, are, you know, ushering Oliver on his way up. He's shredding, actually. You know, so um, I had a really, I've always been really fortunate in the musicians I've been surrounded with. It's been pretty, uh, you know, you've empowering. Been, you've been mentored. Yeah. And mm. and you are in turn mentoring. Trying to, yeah. Do my and best. actually, that's we're going to get to that, but that's oh, right, a big yeah. part of what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Pharrell is um, becoming like a, a force to be reckoned with as a, <laughs> as a vocal teacher, which... I'm um, enjoying it, at least. <laughs> I'd say that. <laughs> no, that's... Well, yeah, but I mean, we can't talk about the people that... So that's really exciting. Oh, and for those of you uh, rockers out there who... I mean, everybody should take vocals. Everybody should oh, continue to study their craft, whether you're an actor, a musician, whatever, whether you play, whether you sing... And I can think of I can think of a few people that I know that would benefit that are out there singing all the time, but would really benefit from lessons because it it uses a different part of your voice. Mm -hmm. It teaches you skills and how oh, to yeah, utilize it. I've had it. several uh, voice students who are not singers, you know, who are not singers. Yeah, no, but mm -hmm. we do this stuff, and it you know, oh, I'm you know, public speakers. I gotta give presentations for my book tour or, or that sort uh -huh. of thing. Mm -hmm. Is, is that a pitch that, no. I, that I need to No, it wasn't. <laughs> but that's, you, that's exactly it's your good. mentality. It I, was, you, no. you knew it was before I did. <laughs> but, but that's good. Actually, I'm going to an ear, nose, and throat because I haven't had the power of my voice for like five weeks. No, that's had really good pearls for if you need one. Really? Yeah. I do. Yeah, we'll I just, yeah. okay, good. We'll, we'll talk about that because mm -hmm. I spent all day today trying to find one. Okay, I got it. And, um, okay, that's good to know. So, so, 
so you're a kid, you're playing in bands, you're, you go to college to Berkeley, you, you, you study saxophone, you're playing in clubs, little mm -hmm. clubs during that. Do you know this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life? I mean, at that point, yeah. You did? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, I think, you, I'm sure you run across this conversation with a lot of people you talk to and yourself equally, mm -hmm. because you know, I know this, but like, you know, do you have a safety or do you put all your eggs in one basket? Ooh, and, see, this is what this show is about. Okay, yeah, and then the thing is, you know, if all your eggs are in one basket, your basket's heavier. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this show is going to be called No Plan B, because yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in Plan B. Because mm -hmm. if you have a Plan B, then you don't have mm -hmm. to make A work. Right. So I am with you that mm -hmm. the basket is heavier. Um, there are many people, parental people, that don't all agree mm -hmm. with things like that with the arts. But you found success. How long did it? Okay. There's exceptions too. Like I, I'm wrong on the details. Trust me. Always count on me to be wrong on the details. But, <laughs> but like I think like John Legend, who is a mm -hmm. legitimate badass. He's he's like a, like a master's in fine, you know business or something. He was totally working white collar, you is know, that true? legit legit job doing wow. other stuff for people, writing for people, getting it up. And then he was able to hit and he was able to leave the. But his day job was like very respectable. There are actually there are quite a few very successful people in the arts mm -hmm. that did have like serious day mm -hmm. jobs before they yeah. shifted, um, and I guess it can happen that way. And uh, and actually, you know, I, I agree that the basket's heavier if all of your eggs are in one basket. Mm -hmm. However, I also not to uh, hem and haw, but everyone's case is so unique. Mm -hmm. By definition, of the word, you know that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more just general general ideas to, to think about. But, but actually, you know, you your, your one basket has a saxophone, keyboards, well, you know. guitar, accordion. I mean, so you can play you know, a lot of things. No, but if I had things. been only playing guitar, that guitar basket would be heavier than it is. So it's all so many ways you can slice any of that, you know? I agree with that, so, but I also think versatility within your art is a really good thing. Sure. I mean, that's where I show, that's what I went with. But other people that are friends of mine that all they do is play guitar, they're way more proficient at guitar, of course, you know. Um, but then you get a gig where they need yeah, somebody yeah, exactly. who can so, play right. the so keyboards, there's different, play the there's guitar. different places for everybody, you know. So when did you, uh, when did you start to make your living at it and how did that happen? Um, I think as soon as I moved to Boston. Um, right out know, of college? Yeah, like mm -hmm. the I remember going there the first year and kind of trying to navigate, you know, what, you know, the whole new, you know, world. And why, why Boston? Well, I mean, I was, as much as, I, I went back to Pittsburgh, by the way, after I lived in Boston, mm -hmm. and as more as of a, you know, at a, in an adult situation, mm -hmm. I wasn't in the suburb, I was right in town, and holy crap, the level of creative motion there is off the charts, right? But I wouldn't have known that, you know, 10 miles out of the city at age 16, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went to Boston simply because Big I city. knew what I didn't know, and mm -hmm. I knew I had to go where there was 5,000 musicians in, one, in two square miles. So that's many of the reason I went there was to just get into a melting pot and actually see how good players and artists were that I knew that existed, I just hadn't seen it firsthand. So I more had to get there to expand, you know, kind of my, my thinking. That makes good sense. You know? um, and so what happened when you got there? Well, you know, um, play music all day long, all night long, go to school, you know, but like by the second year, there's people who go to a place like that mm -hmm. and all, they're so wrapped up in it that they never play a real gig. There's other people that go there and are like, this place just wants to take your creativity. It's uh, you can't teach creativity. And it's like, well, no, you can't, but it's just whatever tools you want, they're there if you want them. So like by the second year there, you know, I was living 
off campus in you know Alston and Brighton in in Boston, um, going to school in the morning, getting immediately going home, going to band practice, going to a gig. So you know what I mean? There's perspective. There's how was you take it, it. Was it you anything know? like uh, Harry? What was the name of that movie uh, with? What's the name of that movie where? Uh, uh, JT, oh God, I'm, I'm losing everything. Where it, it's a conservatory and it's like so intense, and it, the drummer. Uh, do you know what movie I'm uh, talking Whiplash? about? Whiplash. Oh yeah. yeah. How much like whip? I mean, like, was no. it really? It wasn't yeah, like I, intense I like so. that. No, I mean, well, I mean, you could certainly put yourself on a pressure cooker for sure, mm -hmm. but not like no, no, that was. There was no, that was, I think that was even a high school movie, so there was one teacher who governed over Was this, it high school? I don't yeah, even I think remember. So, but I yeah. think it was. But no, at a place like that, it's, mm -hmm. there's way too much going on for any one person to have that much control. control. Yeah. yeah. But also. Um, but how much pressure is there to be like the best? Well, and it to... depends on what you want. Like I, I knew, but one thing about, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not kind of for or against mm -hmm. Berkeley as a college, it's what it is. It's there as a tool, you know, as a tool. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, some of the best in the world were literally there right. within you know, centimeters of you. And I also knew someone who after, at the end of their first year, they still did not know the names of the strings on their bass. So it's not a conservatory, it's a melting pot. Like it's just go there, make what you want of it. Wait a minute, how does somebody get into Berkeley if they don't know? Well, it's not a conservatory. They, they do yeah, but production. Still. You could go there to be a teacher, you could go there to be a writer, you could go there to be a music therapist probably, or a business so they person. Were... So they're, they're gonna tell an 18 year old kid who wants to be a studio engineer, you don't play fast enough to get in, no. So when you get in, and pretty much I think anybody can get in there. Not anybody can I get in so. there, no. I don't know, but um, it's not, but I don't think the bar is, at least from what I've always understood or experienced, I don't think the bar to get in has been as high as you, as a, well it's not as high as a conservatory, there's no question. Mm -hmm. um, but because there's, it's not a conservatory, it's a, it's a right. ecosystem, so. Mm -hmm. They'll let anyone in, and if you're down on the place, you can say, hey, they just want the money. Well, yeah, they do. And it's an ecosystem that you could be there for any number of reasons, which is also true. Mm -hmm. So as an 18-year-old kid, you could go there and do whatever you want or not. You know, I'm sure the person who doesn't know the names of their strings on their instrument isn't doing well, but they're still there. <laughs> and I was stoked about it. I was totally stoked because I was like, hey, there's Abe Laboreal Jr. right here, and there's this person who doesn't know the name. Hey, good. I can kind of see realistically what the spectrum is. So I was and cool so that. did you did you play in bands of other people that you were meeting through through Berkeley? And Roundabout, the bands that yeah. I played in mainly, mm -hmm. um, the ones that were the longer term, like mm -hmm. a couple of years each bands, weren't people that I met in school, they were, but they were people that I met through people that I met in school, uh -huh. who were maybe a little older than me, or, mm -hmm. you know, there was degrees of connection. And when I moved out to LA, I knew the easy dozen people who I knew from Boston already out here. So that right. was really the real reason I went to Boston was... Make connections. Yeah, to learn and meet people, you know. So... I've never been so uh, businessy to think of it like, I'm gonna network. I don't, like, I mean, even just saying that makes me like, wanna change my clothes, take a shower. But I mean, but that's basically like, you know, I made tons of friends, you know. The first person I met in Boston mm -hmm. as a 17 year old, literally the first person I met, this guy Bill Leffler, is an odd monster drummer and producer, and he was here when I moved. He literally moved in three blocks. I hate the word literally too, by the way, don't you? Uh, but he literally moved in three blocks from me here in LA just the last summer. That's crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I've, he's been my friend now for decades, you know? Nice. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But, but it's crazy and it's not crazy because maybe mm -hmm. he wanted to be near you. I mean, that kind of shit well, could that happen. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So, 
So when was, what was the first kind of like, okay, now I'm a musician. Now I'm a professional musician. I'm making mm -hmm. my living as a musician. How did that happen? Um, out of school? After school? No, before I was school? in school. Yeah, I mean, you school. know, I would stay up there. Um, I mean, I kind of crammed my whole four-year college thing into three years just because I was impatient and I tested out. You can kind of like go at your own pace, you know what I mean? Um, so I was just living there playing in bands, you know, or the one, the main band I was in, you know, we, we made a living. We and so and, what kind of... went up to Maine, go down to DC, you know. Covers? Um, at that point, that band was... It started out as probably 80% covers, and mm -hmm. by the time we were done, it was probably, you know, 10% covers. So, nice! Yeah. And were you writing some of the songs? Yeah, absolutely. That's what got me into it, was, you know, my, my the people I've always been surrounded with, you know. And what kind of stuff were you writing back then? Oh, jeez. Um, were you want, were you folk, and because you have like a, you have kind of a alternative folky rock, mm -hmm. pop. Thing, I would say. Well, it was that same circle of friends that uh, introduced me to Tom Waits, for mm -hmm. example. And it was like, it was like a piece of me that I didn't know was missing was finally added, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so yeah, I definitely have that aspect. And things. what were you playing, what, what was your primary instrument in, in those days? Well, that was, I was only playing saxophone and singing harmonies, and then in those bands I was like, oh, they were like, well, how come you're not playing guitar yet? I'm like, thank you, you're right, why not? So, you know, let's learn some chords, let's start playing guitar, you know? Oh, so you started learning then? Yeah, I didn't play guitar until I was in, in my early 20s. Yeah. Oh, wow. As a thing, because who wants a saxophone in a rock band all the time? Nobody. Not me. <laughs> you know? and, and so you weren't doing keyboards then? Uh, no. Uh-huh. I didn't get back to that until one of my bands, when I moved. I was kind of done with Boston. Um, nothing wrong with it. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love going back there. Mm -hmm. I just, just felt like it had run its course. Mm -hmm. So in order to move to either Colorado or LA or wherever I thought I might be, you need a car which in Boston you don't need so I moved back to Pittsburgh thinking I just get settled move out west and ended up being there for five years because the level of musicianship was so high wow and I was one of my bands actually the band that song I played earlier mm -hmm. I had a band called crisis car with my super good buddies and um, we did that song and we would do unplugged gigs or acoustic gigs and so to change things up I would bring out my you know, you know Yamaha CP70 is? It's like a freaking 200 pound stage piano, like the real deal. Wow. Um, we would and I was like, hey, playing keyboard songs, these acoustic songs is kind of fun. So I kind of re-got back into it as a young adult. As a young adult. Okay, <laughs> so now, so you're in Pittsburgh for five years, so then what happens? Um, I was playing in... Are you making like a good enough living that you're... Well, I was making a living, which in a place like that, the charm of a place like Pittsburgh is that it's sort of insular. Mm -hmm. um, like out here, almost everyone I know is in the music scene, you know, or, and probably actors, all their friends are actors. But in Pittsburgh, it wasn't big enough to be only musicians. Mm -hmm. And, but so there was a lot of cross pollination. So people are going and raiding the steel mills for these, you know, 800, town, or 800 pounds metal scraps and building huge sculptures. Mm -hmm. And then the same friends are fire eating belly dancers, then the other friends uh -huh. are, you know, so I was playing in a ton of different bands in a ton of different scenarios. And so I'd you know, play accordion in our friend's hillbilly acid band and I'd play guitar for my friend when, Jim. When did accordion band. happen? I um, just out by accident. You know, it's just, it's, okay, a, it's a little lung piano. It does happen by accident, come on, it's just a. Accordion, that sounds like a really hard instrument to learn. That's two um, different things going on. Uh, not really, no, it's okay. When, um, when did you start doing that? Just again, the same time. I was you know making some acoustic recordings and I realized that 
someone had a $20 one they scooped from a, so, you know, was, that would be a cool and acoustic tune, and it just kind of came in the repertoire. But I use it just as a songwriter, you know, mm -hmm. long tones and piano, you know, parts and stuff. Um, so, so you, I was playing so a ton you of jazz. Write on, I was still, on accordion? No, I don't write on. I use it to track on records or play acoustic stuff. And in rock world, I've used it a lot of times on radio shows. You go to a radio station at nine in the morning or six in the morning. One person has an acoustic guitar, the other person has an accordion, and singing in the mics. You know, it's actually really handy. Um, wow. No, for sure, yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard that, but I really mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah. So okay, so you're you're doing. I've been playing jazz gigs here. Um, you know. Rocket gigs here, my own songwriter gigs. So jazz my... gigs, you're doing saxophone. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, then you're doing the rock stuff and you're doing With multi. Friends. Yeah, depending on what the situation is. You know, some of the super indie experimental rock bands, my friend Jen Wirtz, there was the, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh band Rusted Root is buddies of ours. And so Jen, who I st I've been tracking with now, emailing tracks back and forth from, wow. from the East Coast, uh -huh. tracking in my studio now. Um, you know, I played with her in her band, playing guitar and in my own band, uh, you know, doing the songwriting thing with my friends, so. And when you were in these other bands, these, um, were you lead singer? Were you a background singer? Were you both? What, Depends on the band. In my own band, we had, me and my, uh, one of the other guys, that my buddy Frank, we were, we would do co-lead singing, mm -hmm. you know, so it depends on whose song it was or some were full harmonies, so I really like having that relationship with people, a mm -hmm. lot of harmonies. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and did you... Did you study voice? Only back then. When I, I'd been singing for years in bands, and I know she's not watching, I don't think she has Facebook, but our favorite voice teacher from back there, this one, Beth Klaus, and she totally changed my life. Um, and she ended up getting a lot of students because people were seeing me play gigs and being, How, you know, wow, that sounds a lot different than it did three, four months ago. So, um, yeah. It's she, amazing what that can do. I mean, I, I wanna put a little, we're gonna talk about your, your vocal coaching later when we get to it, but I, I want to put in a pitch for that because mm -hmm. I know Samantha, my daughter, her life completely changed when she yeah. started taking singing lessons. Mm -hmm. And she did it really late, right before she auditioned for college, but her voice completely changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. So, and I think, we were talking about this a little bit before, but no matter what level we're at, Continuing to study is essential. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, in the voice world at mm -hmm. least, um, there are mega pro level singers. They all, everyone, I can't say everybody, but yeah, people. I mean, Patti LuPone, Betty Buckley. Yeah, but it's not. It's not like teachers. it's. It's yeah. everyone wants to learn and study, but it's also kind of akin to having a personal trainer. It's a. It's a. It's a muscle group. It's anybody who would go to the gym to right. keep in shape mm -hmm. would also go to a voice coach to keep in shape. Makes perfect you sense. Know? It's not like you're going there to take a test or we're going to audition for Juilliard. You know what I mean? But it's like, hey, how are you feeling? I don't know, I'm feeling kind of, okay, let's go. Let's go through it, you know, let's work it out, you know? So it's really, it's just a lifestyle thing. Um, so is that something that you've done throughout your career? No, on and off. Okay. Never, uh, fits and spurts, you know. Um, I, when I moved to LA, I did, there's a, you know, one of the high-end guys out here I'd gone to see a few times. Um, then you go on tour for a while and you come home and you know kind of fits and spurts until but the last it, couple of years is it stuff that really you take in. with you i mean because once they give you the exercises and stuff i mean are you good to your you warmed up a little bit when you got here is it, or do you take care of your voice is it something that you do you mean do i drink caffeine no <laughs> <laughs>
Do I smell crack? No, I don't. <laughs> no, but I mean, do you, like, if you study with a teacher and they give you a bunch of exercises, so when you're backstage and you're about to go on, do you do that shit before you go on? Oh, or? absolutely. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. Okay, you take it seriously. And, okay. you know, I hear, you, you, hear, you know, most, most, actually, I should say, there's, a, there's some notable people that I've been on tours with, you know, in other bands on tours that don't warm up at all. They just go out wow. and do it. Um, some people are just... Wow. Either they don't feel like they need to, or they just never had an issue, or maybe their stuff they sing is within their range, or maybe they're super, you know, supple and fit and haven't had an issue yet, you know? Uh -huh. uh, that's hard, you know, who knows? Not everyone does anything, you know? Right, that's true. Um, but um, I know a lot of people who take it seriously, you know, and that definitely warm up. Okay, so, so you're playing in these bands, you're in Pittsburgh for five years, what happens? What's next? It just kind of was, it felt like I was spinning my wheels, mm -hmm. not creatively, but just I wanted to see the world, like very much out of freaking fire to see the world. And mm -hmm. as much as the bands I were in were really family projects at that point, mm -hmm. it just, you know, they kind of eventually spun out kind of a, you know, revving the car engine with the clutch in and just at some point it just had to, mm -hmm. had to go west. Go west, young man. <laughs> so you so you came out to LA and you're in your early twenties. You're I don't even remember. You're you're young. You're yeah, mid twenties oh, yeah. at best. Uh, late twenties, yeah. Late okay, 20s, and so so what happens when you get out here? Um, Do you have a gig when you come? No. You just come. Yeah, I mean, I have my sister. My older sister is out here. Mm -hmm. You met her? Yeah, we talked. Are you we connected? We yeah, yeah, connected, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. haven't met yet. Um, she plays music. Her husband is a awesome, awesome high level rock musician. Oh you wow! Know? Yeah. Um, and was he then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. He started Tool, Paul Demore. He, he was a played bass in Tool. Um, he's a wonderful musician, film scoring, badass stuff, super talented. Nice. Um, so I had family out here, um, mm -hmm. and they had a network of friends who at least introduced me to some people to you know hopefully, you know, return a phone call, <laughs> basically. So how long did it take? When you got out here, until you started, till you hook, what did you connect? What did you hook into um, when you got here? I, I got an audition about three, and again, also I came out. It, it's a weird thing. Like I came out here to write and you know mm -hmm. start a band because I've okay. only, I'm not like a I've never been a hired gun. You mentality. you're not a session. You weren't a session no, player. No, I've never been a, uh -huh. a, a you know. It's never even been in my frame of mind, honestly. Um, huh. I've always just been in bands with friends and started a band that was our, our project, you know, uh -huh. but then coming out to LA, um, it was really hard to get any sort of job that was, you know, normal, you know, whether it was, God forbid, anything, you know, I couldn't, I it's couldn't, still I couldn't, really hard. yeah, 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 anything, I was really hard to get any job, right, except I was getting offered tours, so I kind of fell into touring with, for other bands, because, well, why would I not? Okay. Know? Okay. So, how did that start? What? What? Um, I got what an idea. You know, I got. I got a, someone called me and said, "Hey, you want to come audition this weekend?" And I was like, "Of course I do. Uh, nice to meet you." You know. So I ended up getting that gig. That was the. Han I told you about the Hanson guys. So yeah. yeah. So so Carell played with me and Meepop. We, we well, love that. You no, know, I'll tell you about that song. By the, okay. by the way, and, they, and I, love I know, that I know song. the Hansons have a rabid following and always mm -hmm. have, but um, they're super cool. I really like them. So it basically, they seem really cool. Yeah, they, I, I, I was and there's like a, I met a really great guy, this guy Pete Griffin. Uh -huh. I don't know how, how who watching here has the same circles or not, but if you who, Google who Pete Griffin, bass uh -huh. player, uh -huh. he's um, 
he is fucking ferocious okay. bass player. So he got he and I got hired to play with them at the same time, and so we went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We rehearsed them every day, and you know, it was they're super nice. Um, so wait, what were you playing with them? Guitar and keyboards, so okay. same sort of idea. Uh -huh. um, and then all of their whole record company at the time, their parent company, kind of had a one of those you know, early 2000s record company gets bought, someone, whatever. Uh -huh. So they actually shelved the whole thing and started their own record company. So I never actually went on tour with them. Oh. I just rehearsed with them for a month. <laughs> and oh. then they were like, oh, we're putting this on hold. We don't know when it's going to start back up. So um, by the time they were ready but to start back up. But was that like your first good payday? Um, relative to okay. not working in LA before, yeah, I guess, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so their thing, I only actually hung out with them and merged with them every day, and then I never, never toured with them or played with them. So I never. And so they weren't like kids anymore. They were like. No, they were in their um, mid twenties. Uh -huh. uh, Taylor had a Taylor's had got. They've all got kids now, mm -hmm. but I think Taylor had a his daughter was a baby at the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, the drummer was a baby when they started. He is. Hard hitting. Yeah, drummer. he is a really hard hitting drummer, and he's a crazy good singer. Yeah. So here's what here's the thing about Umba. Yeah. Okay, you think? It, and by the way, you know they were so young that you know there was some co-writing and producing on the, that early record, but they actually wrote Umba themselves. And you think, okay, you know. They were like. Yeah, and you think maybe you underestimate the song because it says Umba, like okay, who takes that seriously? But an Umba is a measure of time, in their young minds. So if you listen to the lyrics, uh -huh. it's in an umbop you're here and an umbop you're gone. So that song is actually about the frailty of life and how quickly things pass before you realize it. <laughs> okay, I never I knew know. that. You would never know that unless you were sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a month with them. <laughs> wow. Who Isn't that knew? awesome? But I, I liked, I, I, pop songs are okay. What's yeah, the matter totally, with pop songs? Totally, pop totally. songs are great, yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's my that's but what that's, I, that's what I took away from my time with them. <laughs> okay, that's good. All to three know. and a half weeks of it. That's what I learned. Okay, so after uh, after Hanson, what what happened to um, you? I looked first off in L.A. and then there was a guy from Mississippi who uh, had like kind of a really cool Americana modern production Americana vibe going. Really great songwriters, guy Charlie Mars, who I did like a year of a super grueling, grueling, grueling year tour with. It ended cool. We did, you know, we opened for REM. We did some. There was a lot of real oh. stuff, a lot of festivals and stuff. But it was a lot of it was, you know, when you talk about slogging it out in a van in the deep south, like it was uh -huh. a grueling year. But again, sort of learned a ton. And so opening for REM. So are you? That doing was by the end of it. Like we did everything in between. Like we played bars and clubs and then the festivals. And okay, the so now festivals. Played with Citizen so Cope. Did you know Citizen Cope? Uh -uh. Oh my God! Write that down. That dude is ridiculous. Really? Yeah. So I've learned. Came in contact with a lot of good music. On, we're on that filming one. this. I don't have yeah. to write it down. Oh like, yeah, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, go I'll back. To play Where's the time back. code? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Cope <laughs> is one of the best. One of my favorite bands. So, the first time you play, I'm I'm figuring opening for REM. You must have been on a pretty big stage and a pretty. I mean, well, they were doing theaters. Yeah, it was theaters. Theaters. Yeah. So the first time you played on a, do you do you remember an experience of realizing like um, like this is becoming big time? Bigger time, um, like yeah, a festival a or a theater, or that's a really good question. Because um, ha it it has to feel different playing in a bar than mm -hmm. when you go play in a festival and there's right, yeah. as far as the eye can see, there's people. Yeah. And so when you stand on a stage for the first time and have that experience, did you did you take it in? 
I think so. I mean, anything you're doing doesn't mm -hmm. happen in an isolation. It's all a series of things that come and go to that point. So right. any any festival you go play, you knew it was coming for a couple of months and you've done a lot of stuff in between. So it's kind of all part of your day to day when you actually do things like that. Mm. There's definitely seminal moments in anyone's experience. So things pop out in my life, but I don't know if I would, I'd have to meditate on what was the first or the this or the that because it's all a progress. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? le it's less important about what was the first as it is what was a summit what was a moment that really stands out as something oh my god I'm, I'm doing this there's been a few of those yeah okay like tell us um well after well I mean a lot of stuff what I did I did we did with Charlie when we did started doing a bunch of TV shows so you do morning shows and or radio shows and, and he Charlie would play acoustic guitar and I play accordion we do morning show you know so you're you know that stuff's cool you know it like cool. oh we're really doing TV shows for the you know, finally okay that's good validation we're doing it you know uh -huh. um and then his tour wound down, and then that like the week after his tour wound down, I got called and did the. I went from playing piano and singing harmonies in a Americana rock bat act, um, and then immediately I was playing guitar in Jada Pinkett Smith's metal band. Okay, that's you know it was crazy. super yeah. So how did she from that say I want that guy? Well, it was the same. Uh, there's a local LA. Everyone in LA knows Barry Squire. He's mm -hmm. he's like the. I wouldn't say headhunter. He's more like the connection maker. You know, okay. super good dude. Mm -hmm. He played drums with the monkeys. Oh, nice. Yeah, you should meet Barry. You should interview him. You I gotta would, interview Barry Squire. You have to, to, for sure. Tag him. Okay. okay. You, you're gonna have to turn me on to him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's. I mean, he's. He's. I love that. Uh, if you did, if you, the fact that you don't know of him it surprises me. Him. But you know, you're more literary. But he's you know, every every oh. single musician in LA. In LA I was Barry. New York, but I did music in New York. I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, so every every single musician in LA knows Barry. He's you know got the Rolodex, you know. So yeah. he he would set up auditions, you know, not deciding with them, but the band would say, oh, we need a bass player. Okay, um, I'll send you ten bass players. Okay, I'll send you know we need a drummer and a piano player. Okay, I'll you know set that up sort of thing. So both of those first couple came through him. Um, so I think Jada. So, but how did he know based on the fact that you're doing this Americana pop? That you can do this hardcore. I don't know. Rock. Well, I don't. You know, I don't know, and I don't. I'd have to go back in time. Um, Were you doing any of that in clubs? No, no, no. No. But um, I think that when I remember of playing with her for the first time, mm -hmm. um, the actual audition thing for hers, I don't think anybody knew what to expect on of it because her stuff had shifted so much and. The audition was, and the people I knew who went to it mm -hmm. weren't metal players either, necessarily. Oh. Some of them probably were that I didn't mm -hmm. know. But it was, we got in a room with a band, and it was math rock, like full on prog rock, detuned down to B flat, you know, okay, we're gonna do this in five, and this in seven, and here's the riff, and then stop, 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 here's the riff, here's the group. And the audition was, they taught you two songs by ear, and you had to learn it immediately and play it with them. And so that's kind of something that, you know, you're training and, Riff and identification, and so I guess I did well enough that I played. So basically, band. she was looking for musicians. I mean, yeah. people that yeah, just had shots. Heavy. They were called Wicked Wisdom, and they're heavy duty. And my big brother Philip Fisher, you know, the band Fishbone. Uh, Fish is the drummer from Fishbone. Mm -hmm. This is the drummer. He's fabulous. They have high level of musicianship. Um, Rio, the bass player. They're all really, really, really heavy duty, and they had come from a really heavy R and B school. Um, 
but now they're playing drop tune metal. Like it just, I don't know. I well, kind of walked into what that. What year was that? That was uh, two thousand four or five, something like that. So, so we did Ozfest, and it was pretty interesting. That was very different from what I'd done the year before. <laughs> I'll say, and and you're playing guitar with her, right? You're, so you're you're doing crazy shit. Weird, yeah. It was fun. What, what, what did you what did you call anyway, it? Think, you were calling it not cutting. What 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 what, what, what were you? What's the term that you were using for I don't... Shredding. It shredding. Was, it was kind of okay, shredding, shredding music. Yeah, it was definitely okay. shredding music a little bit. Um, but it was fun to play. It was probably more fun to play than it was to listen to. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, as me, as the style that I listen to, like, you know, I like the Beatles. I won't listen yeah, to, I don't I don't listen listen to heavy metal. Yeah, not or, too much. Yeah. I don't listen to math rock. Mm -hmm. But it's like, hey, we're going to pay you to play math rock all year long. Okay, that's educational. Let's so you do did it for a year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and then right as that went down. Um, okay, but wait, while you're doing that, are you doing bigger venues now? Well, we were doing Ozfest. It was it was a lot yeah, of. That's... I mean, that was the biggest thing we did. It was basically we played for a year, but there was it wasn't full touring. It was a big summer tour and then mm -hmm. spot dates, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but I like Jade as a badass. She's awesome. She's so awesome. That's I really, so really, really, really like her. That's yeah. so great. She's okay, intense. so is she's she? I would not fuck with her. <laughs> she's she's hardcore. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I could see that. Mm -hmm. um, did you meet Will? Oh yeah, he was around. Yeah. Yeah. He's intense. He's really, you know, like people have presence. He, there's no question. He's got presence. Yeah. He's, like, he's got X Factor out the wazoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and did he ever sing with you guys? No, no, no. That would have been fun. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so after that, what what happened? That wound down at the end of the year, and um, the Americana guy that I played with, mm -hmm. his manager. Sky Pat um, is the same manager for Goo Goo Dolls. He'd been with them forever. So they just happened to need someone doing you know, keyboards and whatever else. So that just kind of dovetailed into that. And so the Goo Goo Dolls are already like they're at the height of their- Yeah, they had been, I guess they're, they've been, you know, they've been around for mm -hmm. you know, a long time at that point. It was probably about, let's see, 94, maybe not quite 15 years into them already having, not their backstory, but really broken. You know, they've been big for a long time, yeah. So the kind of stuff that you're doing with them, big, big venues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The summer tours are always huge. They still are, actually, you know. Um, touring at that level, regardless of that band, but any band mm -hmm. on that level, you know, um, it's a lot of regional and seasonal. You know, mm -hmm. like summer tours are always bigger, you know. Right. You, you're doing the, you know, outdoor sheds, you know, amphitheaters and stuff in the summers. That market isn't there in the, in the winter. So you might do theaters and B markets or head overseas or, you know, it's the very like cyclical and regional, you, seasonal. Uh, so are you also involved. doing, um, I imagine you've done a stadium or two in your... We've done, yeah, we've done like, I remember um, we went to South Africa for Nelson Mandela's, you know, big stadium stuff, you know, stuff. So you know, come on, done, so that has to did, be a... Uh, we've what? done some stadium in, what was it? It was like a football game in, in, in London when the American teams went over. We've done some stuff like that, yeah. I can I can only imagine that playing in the stadium has to be. A well, a lot of TV experience. stuff happens like that too, but it's actually more less. I find at least it to be more almost like surreal, like you're watching on TV. It's not very, you know. I'd be I'm much more nerve. You don't feel connected. Not and not in a way that you would feel, uh, you know. I don't know, intimidated by the size. It's almost like it's almost like you're just there with your four buddies and like, oh, that's interesting. No, let's just play, you know? So what, what ha have you played a venue that's been like, oh my God, I'm playing? Well, everyone says Red Rocks and of course, you know, 
or we did some taping. We did a live at Abbey Road taping, so oh, playing at Abbey Road, not just visiting it. That's crazy. And that was one of those things. I was like, okay, we're this is awesome. Yeah, for sure. That's one yeah. Of the, you know, very select level ones. How about New York? What venues have you played in New York? Um, in the summertime, they're always doing Jones Beach. Mm -hmm. In the wintertime, or for different reasons, sometimes you play benefits. Like a million and random things come up. Um, you know, I remember we've played Irving Plaza, there's Roseland, all the mm -hmm. general things you can think of. Did you, you know? ever play Madison Square Garden? We did like, well, you know, the ice skating rink for the Rockefeller, Christmas tree lighting, some of that stuff is very New York-y, but it's not like a real, not like a traditional gig, but that's right. pretty seminal, you know? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the Macy's Parade twice, that's pretty That's cool. interesting, you uh -huh. know? Like it's not a real, a real regular gig, but it's one of those like, this is happening, this is interesting. You did know? you like have to, did you like do the whole parade thing? Yeah, you have to, because it's, it's like a, train every any individual float i imagine is just one small cog in that machine you know and you have to kind of like wave like miss america right. was it cold because, the year you, know, you did it because sometimes it's like crazy cold yeah it's super cool yeah <laughs> but it was super fun mm -hmm. yeah well it was super interesting yeah it was fun <laughs> that interesting sort of <laughs> this doesn't yeah. happen every day yeah way, you know any other any other mm. moments that stand out is like okay i'm doing this this is this is like you've done, you've done television, like not just those morning shows, but you've done mm -hmm. night shows. Well, I mean, like with Katy Perry, we, we did like, she hosted the European MTV Awards. So, um, I started playing with her because they asked me to, she, she was hosting oh, yeah. so the, ha You the, left the Goo Goo Dolls, did Katy Perry. Because it's cyclical, so there's heavy years, then slow years. So on one of the slow years, she had asked me to come play with her. So I did a whole world tour, living around the world about three or four times with her. Okay, so now she was at the height of her career. She was at an interesting place because she was, I don't know, well, she's gotten so big, I don't know if you could say she was, she had well, made it to true. the height. But she was already, but she, she was she, huge. She's eclipsed that height for sure. That's but true. she was already huge. But the interesting thing, and I heard this about, I'm not comparing anything I've done with the Beatles, but I've heard this analogy about the Beatles. Okay. Or other artists, that, you know, stuff gets booked in advance. Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. stuff get book, gets booked on where you are now. And right. then if an artist blows up, there's still obligations that have to be had. Okay. So, and I heard that, I mean, I just heard that story about the Beatles, like they were massive playing, you know, wherever, like to fill out obligations, you know. Right. They might be huge and they still have to play some club date in London, you know, that sort of stuff. Right, you know I mean? right, right. But um, with Katie, um, you know, her Kiss a Girl in Hot and Cold had gone bonkers worldwide, but there was still a lot of theater tours. It wasn't an arena tour all the time. I see. Because there was a lot of theater stuff that was booked. So you'd go play a festival to 100,000 people then you might be playing a theater to uh, 3,000, you know wow. what I mean? Um, but I actually, and I super love Katie, but I really actually feel like as a player, I kind of played with it in the sweet spot of when I would want to do it because, and I'd play with her again, I've actually subbed in on the tour after one when it was bonkers size. Right. But um, when we did it, there was, there weren't extra vocalists and there weren't dancers and there wasn't choreography. Uh -huh. It was just a five piece rock band. Oh wow. Her being the fish playing guitar and singing, uh -huh. you know. And the dudes in the bands are still my super super close friends. Um and so there was no like we would extend stuff and take solos and it was feedback and it was jamming and she was all into it and it was very you know, the band was tight, but it had an option to be very loose and how cool. real and raw and raw. I would not imagine that. It was awesome. You know, wow. and we did with her. We did one of my favorite things I've ever done was the MTV Unplugged. We did. If you ever Google that, it's okay. It's one of my favorite I, things. Okay, I've ever done. I know about that. And you yeah. had something to do with her refashioning her music. Well, I mean, or something? we all did the whole. Uh -huh. you know, I mean, her as well. Obviously, it's, it's her thing. You know. No, but yeah. I mean, it was very collaborative and 
wholesome, organic, you know, we had the toy piano and the glockenspiel and the delay pedals and, you know, Josh played up at bass and Patrick would do baritone guitar and, you know, it was very, and they brought, it was in New York, so um, they brought in a string section and a horn section and it was really mm. awesome. And we were like, this, that was very, you know, seminal moment for, you know, like, this is actually MTV Unplugged. I knew that from back in the day, you know. From before back in the yeah. day, you were like a kid mm -hmm. when yeah. that started. So that was very cool. Yeah, that is very cool. Um, and she's a good lady? She's awesome, I like her, yeah. That's, that's good to know. So you spend that, so, and so you're doing some arenas with her, you're doing some huge gigs with a lot her? Of, yeah, a lot of that year, a lot of the biggest stuff was, you know, massive TV show stuff. And what I didn't get to say earlier was that um, I started with her because her band, she was hosting the MTV Awards, and that's mm -hmm. a big deal, obviously. That's a big deal. And so her band was the house band to play in and out of commercials. So they brought me in to augment the house band, cause, just because I could bring several things. So that's how I kind of became friends with them. So that has to be cool too. And Paul McCartney was there presenting. I was going to say. Like, it was in Liverpool, actually, that oh month. You know? God, and that I... was when Obama got elected. So there was like, a, we were in the hotel lobby and there was like Kid Rock just fuming over there. And we were like, oh. <laughs> 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 it was awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. But I mean, like the MTV Awards, there have to be like the Paul McCartney's like just heroes all over the place. And I got to actually meet him and shake his hand. And oh. we just walked off stage. So I didn't have a camera. Oh, oh. This, my heart was broken. My friend Ricky Bird, uh, he was inducted into the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Blackhearts. He was oh, playing wow. with John oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he he got to play with Paul when he was inducted, and he has loads of pictures and videos. Wow. And, oh my God, that's wow. crazy! Um, so so you have gotten so any other heroes you've gotten to meet that have stood out for you? I'm sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Huh. Someone, I have a friend from back home. He's probably watching this guy, Paul. He. He, he sent me an email, he was like, hey, tell me who's the biggest douchebag you ever met. I'm like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> First of all, I probably wouldn't even know how to answer that and not be like, I would never, my grandkids be sued. Yeah, I would never ask <laughs> But you. I honestly don't even know how to answer those questions because a lot of times you, if you meet someone, it's not like hanging out with Paul McCartney, but you know, yeah, I met him. I, I at least got to verify he's a real person. Well, but you know, the walrus is Paul, so we don't really yeah, know that's that true. that's yeah, Paul. That's that, that question... You were too young to go through oh, all of no, that. I know but all about it. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know about it. I can remember it firsthand, oh, yeah. and you know we were we were having those debates literally every day, looking mm. at the pictures, comparing. I played the records all. backwards, and it, yeah. and the teenager freaked me out. <laughs> no. They're not saying cranberry yeah. sauce. They're not saying. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is that there was a really good case to be made for the fact that it wasn't Paul. Yeah, I, mean, I know. You know, it's it, it would have, and you know. Having a wonderful Christmas time. Okay, maybe it's not really Paul, but there's a lot of other stuff that he's written that says maybe it probably was still Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we'll give it to him that it's Paul. Yeah. So okay, so you do this 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 year with Katy Perry, and you end up. We did the Grammys, which is awesome, super cool. Okay, you have to meet people at the Grammys. Yeah, I think so. oh, oh my God, I was walking down the hallway. Yeah. And you know the, when you see the three little bears, right? There's like baby bear. Mama, Mama bear and daddy bear. Uh -huh. And trust me, this is, again, this is not like hanging out with these people, right? Okay. But I happened to be walking down the hall from stage to dressing and whatever, and it was like we were walking in a line as if you choreographed this, and it was Morgan Freeman, me, and Tom York from Radiohead. And I was just like... <laughs> 
That's like one of those when they put weird you know, people together. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm sure, you know, each of them had their security guy and was like ready to jump me or something, but I was just going to my dressing room. <laughs> but it was a very much like, you had like about like seven steps in line with these people and you'll start to notice, this is not normal. Okay, then someone breaks off and like, okay, back to earth. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty interesting. Was there any great music on the Grammys that year? Any well, Paul played when, that was when Dave Grohl played with him. Um, mm. I think... Miley Cyrus and, and Taylor Swift sang, and Taylor Swift had just started singing live. Oh wow! So she was really not a strong singer. Oh really? And oh, I wow. say that not to be critical, uh -huh. but to be appreciative, because she then worked her ass off, mm -hmm. and she's you know obviously a super great now you know, singer. Not to say she wasn't a talent or a writer or whatever, making mm -hmm. great records, but she hadn't really ever sung live before. Um, those are the big takeaways I remember from that. That's I think cool that year, unless I'm making this up completely, because who cares? Um, <laughs> no think, no uh, one's going to go home yeah, and do the Robert homework Plant and check. Sang, oh, uh, wow. Robert Plant and Alison Krauss may have sang that year. That was really badass. Yes. I saw them somewhere. It may have been them. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So have you gotten to, you're talking about like running into and, and not hanging out with, have you got, I'm, I'm imagining over the years, you've gotten to hang out with some heroes? Uh, you know, a little bit, you know, yeah. I think so. Anybody that stand out that, that um, oh wow, I'm getting to do this. This is like a full perk of this. Okay, game. well, you know in Wayne's world, yes. how, of course you do, course right? Do. How they go, and they hold the old air guitar to Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. I actually was as part of a group conversation. It wasn't like me and my buddy Brian May, you know what I mean? But we were hanging out and Brian May was there. And I was like, we were just asking him questions. I was like, hey, so, you know, I just asked him a random question. Like, so do you still practice guitar? You know, he's like, oh man, no, not, of course everyone says, not enough, not enough, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I mean, sometimes I feel like if I practice really hard, I'm, I don't get it. I have to just do it. And he's like, there's this part in Bohemian Rhapsody, and he air guitars that same part of Bohemian Rhapsody, but just conversationally. Like, he's like, he's like, this run, you know, if I don't get it, if I, don't, if I practice it, and I was like, he doesn't, know that's, he doesn't like know that's Wayne's world. I don't know. That's I too think, you know, funny. When I laughed and fell off the chair, he had a clue something was up, but, but it was interesting. That was funny. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Um, but you understand, like, like just like my friend back home who's like, well, tell me a lot of the story. I mean, you know, 99.99999% of your, my, everyone's day is like, okay, let's go to rehearsal. Let's get the groceries. Let's, right. you know, do some work. Yeah, but there know? are those moments, moments that it's like, very, oh my God, yeah. I get to, this is yeah. the life I'm living. Like, this is yeah. pretty... I just did a video earlier today, my friend Casey, she's a 17-year-old singer-songwriter. Um, we just filmed a little live video for her on top of a rooftop in Hollywood. Yeah, like, it's funny, that. like stuff like that happens, you know, but you know, I was also at the grocery store earlier. <laughs> okay, so real life, so so you're a dad now. Like, yeah. All right, so before we get to now, so so you leave Katy Perry and you go back to the Google Dolls. Right. And so... Another almost, maybe not quite decade, yeah. Go, go, go to that band. They never stop. Ever, ever, ever. So what is it, so when you're playing with the Goo Goo Dolls, what, what is your, what's your schedule like? What's your life like? Is it, is it summer, winter tour? Like what is, what's... Well, usually with them, there's, usually, this is just like the, the way the mm -hmm. business has been. There's a couple really heavy years of a tour cycle. Right. And you know, a tour cycle, which I'm sure you people know, like a band puts out a record and tours until it doesn't make sense to tour anymore. So, so like, what a does brand that new mean? art, a brand well means a brand new artist who doesn't sell records, right? Would tour for six months until the money ran out. Okay. Whereas Madonna 
contour for three years all over the, every little with market, right? Record. So that's a right. cycle is just different for everybody. So right. with them, their mm -hmm. cycle has generally always been a two-year, just heavy, heavy, heavy run. And then so what a, is that? What, what, what is a heavy? What is a heavy year for? Um, maybe being gone from home like nine months out of the year. Oh wow! You know, for, you know, like and you're touring all over the world. Yeah, generally speaking, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, depend, you know, every case would be a little different, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it'd be like maybe you go away for three weeks, you're home for a week, then you go away for ten days, then you're home for three weeks, then you go away for thirteen weeks, and then you're home for you know what I mean? It's chunks, legs, right. you know. And so becoming a dad. Yeah. Kind of changes. Three years ago, everything started to change. <laughs> um, so I know, I know. Well, I, I don't want to say her name because I don't know. If, I don't want to out oh. her. Oh, on. I don't need, well, my my wife doesn't really do the Facebook thing, and I don't yeah. really put family photos up there. I you know, know why? It has because every this is everyone has their own thing. I know right. everyone puts their baby pictures online, but I'm telling you, those kids are gonna go for a job in 20 years. And the person would be like, so when you were seven and you were naked in the bathtub and you broke your arm, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want to enable those well, people. Well, that's Harry, just me. That's just me. Harry and Samantha. I also feel they... uncomfortable being here, yeah. <laughs> but you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Don't yeah. you feel more comfortable now? Well, yeah, I mean, now I do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my kids have grown up on social media. That's because, yeah, that's just the way it is. But they're social media kind of people. Also, too, my wife so. has a police department background, so. She has seen every single creepazoid mm. firsthand. She was a probation officer. Like she has seen wow. it all. I mean, before that, she's been a crime scene investigator, probation officer, parole, bond commit, whatever, all that stuff. Wow. So yeah. she like between my general reticence and her like firsthand like seeing the dark underbelly. Yeah, we just don't do yeah. much of that, you know. But okay, so so it's not on the social media, but it is in your life that of it's course. became mm -hmm. a reality mm -hmm. that your dad. Mm -hmm. So your priorities. Shifted. Yeah, I've been wanting to make you know music from my home studio. <laughs> so and so you you've been making that a reality for yourself, mm -hmm. and so and it came through the Goo Goo Dolls too because um, the newer drummer Craig. His good friend is this guy Dave Stroud. Okay, is, so tell us about what how well, how your life sort of. Craig the drummer, um, his good friend mm -hmm. Dave Stroud is one of the most elite level vocal coaches in the world, and he's here in LA. So like, and who has he coached that people might know? There's there's actually a lot of people that I know he's coached that he doesn't advertise, and I don't know if he does he advertise that anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, just like on his site, and he, yeah, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't advertise. Right. He has reference, you know, right. I like worked with him. I mean, he worked with Michael Jackson. He's, oh, wow. you know, Natasha Bedingfield, she's his dear friend. She's one of the best singers in the world. Um, wow. But, you know, I, there's people, I, I don't want to trip up and disrespect right, his right. privacy, but because um, I know there are people that don't. Of course. You know, but I'm but, sure he's got people on his site. Well, yeah, that, I mean, like Ben yeah. Folds is his buddy. Like, um, mm -hmm. But then on that elite, elite, and Ben Folds is, you know, as elite as it gets to me, but on the actual, mm -hmm. you know, vocalist level, he's taught like some of the. I mean, I just have to look at his website. I mean, he's heavy, heaviest, heaviest, heaviest hitters of all time, for sure. Okay, so you got connected with him. Through, yeah, because then John from the band started mm -hmm. going, you know, doing workout sessions with Dave. You know, oh, Dave's a cool guy. And she's like, oh, you should meet Dave. And Dave has a. Dave started a whole. He's been, I shouldn't, I don't even want to ever, like, he's been a huge impetus in starting a whole branch of, you know, or bringing into context a whole branch of vocal science. So it's not just, there are vocal teachers who are, I'm a vocal life coach. You know, let's come to me, let's talk about the lyrics. You look great today. 
and there are those guys and people in LA and there are they probably get results and their followings like I'm thinking of one of them who I won't say but like you go to that person's website and it is every celebrity you've ever seen in your life and that's the focus of the business right um, how you look and no no no, no. Oh. I mean, it's a real legitimate vocal coach but I will say that like Several elite level singers that I know personally mm -hmm. and myself. I've been to lessons with this person and you go hear their warm-up routines and it's exactly the same. So meaning it's not Wait. it's not it's legitimate like what they give you to do for your workouts. Right. It's legitimate, right? But the stuff that my mentor Dave does is so laser focused on every individual So on you. And That's right. Based on you know, okay, well, the frequency of the pitch crosses the format of the vowel in your throat, and so we want to tune your vowel to, you know, you wow. know, angle. You know, I was working with somebody the other day. He's like getting advice from me. He's like, well, you know that when you, you know, sing an uh, an E on this certain the epilarynx, you know, is going to be closed shut. You want to avoid that. I'm like, yeah, Dave, you do. You want to avoid having the frequencies closing of the epilarynx. You know, so I've been intrigued by vocal science, and I've been studying it for a while now. So it's it, like meeting Dave and studying with him as a singer. Like I would take lessons with him, you know. Okay, so how long ago did you start taking lessons with um, him? Probably under a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago maybe. I'm and not how, sure. I'm how, sure what, what month is this? <laughs> but, um, and we're in May. So how, like, did you see a change right away? Um, yeah, but we'd also been, do I've been doing his warm-ups because, you know, we, from mutual friends. So I'd been aware of him. Oh, I see. And then, so, um, started seeing him as taking lessons from my own singing and mm -hmm. then mentoring under him as so that a you teacher. Teach. Uh -huh. yeah. And so that's always been my, you know, I want, don't want to be gone from home nine months out of the year sort of routine. And it kind of, it feels so fresh to me and it feels really just gratifying. Like instrumental lessons, a lot of people teach and that's awesome. But vo voice lessons are a whole other level of personal interaction and mm -hmm. psychology. And, you know, I have a client who comes who you know, has a has a couple main career focuses, not music, but it's you know massive stage fright, just speaking in front of people, uh -huh. and you know that person who's not a rock star, but is absolutely bit, every bit as gratifying. You know what I mean? Um, it's really awesome. So are there so are people someone like that? Are you coaching anybody like that can't sing? That well, that person who I met, uh, oh. one of my clients, could not sing a note when we started thought he was tone deaf. And you know, like very few people are actually tone deaf. It's like rarer than I think than colorblindness. Okay, so wait, so he, just, he needs to, to be able to come out of himself because he's a public speaker and so he- No, not, not even for a job. This this person is just wanted to, wants to be a singer, wants to sing, but just How did he sweats find bullets. You? Um, that's a good question. I'd have to remember okay. about that. It's been, a, it's been a while now. We've been uh -huh. working together about a year. So he never sang singing? He tried to sing, but it was, it sounded, it's someone that if you would think was tone deaf. If they sang, okay. plus they're sweating bullets. So, but we just, you know, take work it, through it. Just be real and be focused and be present. And we work through it. And the person's totally singing, and it sounds awesome. It sounds great. And we're working really? now on like tonal placement. So, you know, big dude with a, like a super low voice. You're like, you think it's the guy from Lebowski? You hear you do, you know. But then when you sing, because it's psychological pressure tightening things up. So we're working through that to bring their placement down. Because like, even if you if you sing. Hey, 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 Vicky, 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 hey, Vicky
out of psychological absolutely fear control. Of yeah, so bringing that person down and uh you know that's or singing from the right place people yeah. are singing from here and or mm -hmm. so, so there's a lot of those aspects of it that you would never on my side of things you would never to any degree at least you, you could but to any degree you wouldn't have that like teaching piano or teaching guitar it's not that sort of thing whereas voice lessons are so much more human interaction and, I, and, and funny thing, the cool thing that I do all these other things, like I have other clients who are, I'm helping them finish their songs, or okay, you know, my friend Casey who I played with earlier, she's already an artist, so I help her with her guitar playing. And she's tracking and posting these badass live Instagram videos, you know, so mm -hmm. there's, I'm able to do more than just teach singing, mm -hmm. which I'm trying to learn at all the time. Are you saying, Pharrell, that anybody can sing? Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, of course. Anybody can sing. Of course, yeah. Okay. And I'm the authority on that. No. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> but yeah, no, but of course anybody can sing. Yeah, no. Uh, can no. anybody sing well enough to sing? Well, uh, can you know? Can Perry Farrell or the dearly departed guy from Blind Melon, um, Shannon, can they sing well enough to sing? A lot of people would beg to differ. Like, eh, very tight voices, but mm -hmm. they people loved it, so therefore the answer is yes. Am I not being evasive? That's a real answer, right? Do you think, do you answer, think right? that anybody <laughs> is teachable? Um, yeah, of course. I think anybody who wants to learn is teachable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to and so because there might be people that have always wanted to sing, mm -hmm. not to be singers, but like that guy, just because like they wanted Why not? It's music. It, right. came before, music came before, you know, spoken word. Why not? Of course, everyone should do it. So, so that's the focus of what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, are, you, are you still writing songs? Are you still mm -hmm. recording your own music? Yeah. Slower right now. I mm -hmm. think that always comes in waves and phases, you know, but yeah. But this is what you're cultivating. Yeah, absolutely. It's just awesome. And I have clients like, um, on the East Coast, you know, all over the place. Just because one Skype. thing is Skype is really works well with with voice lessons. It's really Skype awesome. works great with everything. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. I work with writers on Skype. Mm -hmm. It's Skype's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, and um, we can't talk about it, but Carell showed me his phone of somebody that he's working with. That's huge. So there's that too. Part of a part of a team effort. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't even matter. But yeah, no, there's there's. It's been really educational, I'll just say that, yeah. That's really cool. So if you're out there and um, you want to improve your chops, or you want to start having <laughs> oh, chops. Oh, I'm glad or, I came. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, because a lot of a lot of the viewers of The Road Taken are musicians, and, and there might be a number of them that aren't singers primarily. Well, that anybody are, who wants to make a living in music mm -hmm. needs to be a singer, I would say. Any band member... I mean, if it's your own band, you can do whatever you want, but you still should be singing, you know? Everybody should and be singing. And I have a, there's a guy, there's a band called the Hawkeyes, my friend Jay in Pittsburgh, I know him from doing Skype lessons with him. Mm -hmm. But we talked about, you know, having sessions with this whole band to get their all harmonies up to par with his singing. That's very know? cool too. So um, bands out there yeah, that sure. need all the harmonies yeah. to get up there. Well, I mean, as I talked about with him, mm -hmm. um, someone in the, the lead singer can be singing, uh, uh, let's just make up a word, uh, you know, you know, I love you, whatever, right? Love, and they might be singing love, and the guy in the band is singing, I love, and someone's singing love, someone's singing love, someone's singing love, you know, <laughs> everyone needs to con consolidate their vowel choices, the flavor of the vowel, on, what, you know what I mean? So it sounds like one instrument. 
everyone needs to, everyone's going to start and say, you know, uh, you know, hey, you, and it's not, but people might end at different times. So are they considering that as a, as a group? You know, it's an ensemble, you know? I like that. Mm -hmm. So Corel, so before we go, so um, early morning, no tomorrows, and you can get these, I'm going to give you uh, a link to it's, it's on your website, website. No. and you'll be able to get <laughs> But the all problem is you have to be able to spell my name for that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally dozens of people know how to spell my name. <laughs> so, so, dozens of people. Where does Tunador come from? Um, it comes from uh, Turkey at the end of the Ottoman Empire as they were modernizing and uh, switching over to, you know, a more modern... And know, what about Corel? Where did your mother get Corel? Um, I, I think they knew someone... Uh, when they were younger, who had that name, they liked it. it it's so My sister's cool. name, Gildan, they made that up. They were nuts. Wait, what's her name? Gildan. Gildan. Yeah, so, so, how was it being a kid, Corel Trudor? Sucked ass. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean you, you had to get made, like, you had to get made fun of. Well, you know, just... I mean, everyone, everyone, I'm trying to think of any actual making fun of, probably not so much as just... The low-level general discomfort and some of the like, hey, you know what I mean? You know, to some extent you would call it making fun of, but it would it would be it would just like, yeah, I never heard that one before. Hey, Vicky, you're so fine, you're so funny, love. You never heard that one before, did you? <laughs> it's more that. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Well, Corel, before we go, you're gonna play us out with a song. Sure. Um, I, I, whatever you want. Um, tell us what it is and how we can find it. And uh, well. Steve McCormick, Matthew Breslin. I'm, I'm saying hi to people that are on here. Wow. Mark Zoe's watching. Mark Ray? Hi, Zoe. Is that my buddy, Mark Ray? It, no. It says hi, Matt. The kid looks good, huh? I don't know who that is. Okay. Oh, that's Matt Campbell. Yeah, those are my buddies. Those hey. are your buddies. Look at that. I know people. They're on the Mike Russo, I know people. You know He's people. He's in Costa Rica. Say hello. Wow. <laughs> Say hello to the people that you know that are on there. Yeah, he's saying, get the Goo Goo Dolls of Costa Rica. I'll pass on the memo. <laughs> <laughs> and Alexander Cariotis. Okay, now we just talked about me giving voice lessons, mm -hmm. but you want to go see Alexander Cariotis. Google him too. He's my friend on the East Coast. And he, well, actually teaches in Texas now, but he's back in the East Coast and he trains the highest level opera singers. Wow. He's, this, he's the kid who snuck into Pavarotti's dressing room as a kid and like said, I want to study. So he studied with his teacher. Yeah, so wow. he puts me to shame. People on his level and my teacher, Dave Stroud's level, like there's like, I'll, you, Don't you, put you, yourself I know, down. I know, I knew you were gonna say that. No, I'll absolutely, anybody who wants lessons, I'm absolutely happy to help, help you and we'll do really good stuff. Everyone that I'm seeing, like it's really enriching. Honestly, honestly God, I will, we will do good stuff. But for me, there's so many levels deeper that I'm excited to get into. And I've, uh, luckily, the same thing community with when I was starting writing in bands, like, yeah, you should write. All my friends that are, have been doing this to these deep levels um, are so welcoming. It's a whole scene of amazing vocal, vocal teachers out there. And I have no doubt that after you're doing this for a few years, you'll be one of those people that people are screaming about. I see, no doubt I'm about just it. making sure that Alexander writes back, hey man, come on, <laughs> looking good. Yes, I made you laugh. Yes, you are looking good. <laughs> oh, Ingo Marshworth. Oh, wow, I didn't realize you could do this. Yeah. I gotta get me one of these ones and zeros tabulators. This is this is Harry's iPad. I, I don't yeah. usually use it, but see on the, on the, on the, Mac, you can't see what people are doing the oh, same way right. as you can on here. Wow, I should have been looking at this the whole time. I, could have I been... know. Well, if there's anybody else you want to give a shout out to before we, uh, before you do your final Beacon song. Theater, I see people that I know from 
from the all over the place, yeah. right? Wow, this is really intriguing. I know. The only thing is that they're watching you watch. So, so, so do a quick scroll. Okay, and, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll and get see off if of there's it. anybody else you want to say hello to. Amy Porter. Hi, Amy. I was in first grade with you. You're right. I was art class. I get know. out of here. Yeah. Oh no. A lot of these people. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Mark Gray is one of my blood, my uh, blood brothers. And Clem Rowland, my music teacher from high school, is watching. Holy shit. Nice. Clem Rowland got me out of three years of college from his music theory class because I went there and just tested out of stuff. Thanks to Clem. And you know what his advice was? And this goes back to um, should you have a plan A or a plan B? Let's bring it full right. circle. Okay. Clem Rowland, yeah. my high school teacher, the more influential on me than possibly any other human out there, um, he said to us as kids, he said, no one should be a musician unless you have to. I like it. He said, if you can be happy, like truly happy having any kind of job and still playing intense music and doing your gigs, but if you could be happy doing that and having a job, this and that and a family, do it. Because it's hard ass life. He's like, but if you're one of those people who just can't not do it, then I support you. Let's make it happen. So yeah. That's how I feel about writing. Yeah, so it'll be do it if you can't do anything if you can't do anything else because you'll just burn up inside, then you should do it. But if you can do anything else, you should. <laughs> That's really good. Is there you always have there, music, you know? Is there, anything, is there anything else, since the show is The Road Taken, and it's basically mm -hmm. imparting the tools that you've amassed and what you've learned, uh -huh. is there anything else that, that you can share that's been really impactful in your career or in your life direction that helped drive you, helps move you forward? <sighs> Man. I mean, it's wow. hard to think of those things. I mean, you, you just Let me gave just get one. really smart really fast for you. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Like, is it, like, that's a piece of advice that you were given that yeah. has, has made a difference for you. One of mine, you were talking about, um, well, this is just an anecdote I heard. Okay. This client I have who I, who's like crazy Mega. awesome mm -hmm. said to me the other day, we were talking about practice, and he said, uh, my, my teacher when I was young said, practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. Ooh. So it's not how much you practice, it's what you practice. Because the way you practice makes your habits permanent. It wasn't about permanent skill levels, about if you ah. practice half-ass, you're gonna perform half-ass. So whatever you do, do it with intention. And be present for it. Wow, I like that. How's that? I love, that's, that's, that's perfect. I didn't make it up, but, oh, well, but I'll be happy to pass it on to you. Well, but that, isn't that what all knowledge is? I mean, yeah. how much of it is original thoughts? I mean, it all, mm -hmm. it's all a, yeah, a collaboration yeah. of everything we learned from everybody, but uh, that's a good one. I like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for yeah. doing this, Carol. Okay, so now this you This is tripping me out. This is awesome. You know, <laughs> so, all right, so uh, here's, all right, here's no the more. latest. And, um... Are we still on, by the way? We're still on. Oh, okay. So, but so now you're gonna play us out before we go. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't so know. So tell play. us what you're gonna play for us. He's well, looking at his set I would only list. play. I can have a couple of those, you know, super mellow, pretty old songs. And you wanted the out of love song. Did you want that? Do you like that song? I love that. All right. But we're not allowed to get the screamers. Uh, are you? Sure. Probably haven't played this song in like two years because I used to do other stuff. But I'll play it for you. Hey, I, and if I don't know the words, you can uh, you can just jump on in. Oh sure, I'll, I'll take three singing lessons first, please. I actually like this song. So a couple of people have been like, "Who's that about? Who's this about?" Because it's kind of actually I personal. It's, yeah. it's completely made up. Oh come on! <laughs> but it has it has aspects of different people's influences. 
Do I, you know, that's a really good question before you before And you I know play who those off. people are. Do you do you do you completely do you completely make shit up? As only everything I just said for the last hour. No, come on, but I mean some Engelmeyer, some yeah. songs are like really about like something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Of course. But this one's really made up? It honestly was um, How did the idea come to you? I don't know. Ooh, okay. I had the music uh, of the thing. Can I play two? How long yeah. have we Go. Can I play two songs? Go ahead, yeah. Okay, because we also made one up, me and my buddies uh, in the band Crazy Girl, my buddy Frank and Jerry and I, we wrote a song about a lighthouse. It's a love song to a lighthouse. Maybe we should play that one instead. Do whatever you want. All right, I want to play a love song to a lighthouse. All righty then. You seem very nonplussed. Or... Well, I mean, I, I, I can't get excited about being in love with a lighthouse, you but can. maybe I will. You can, because okay. you're a writer, and I think, like, I will say, as much as I give disclaimers, you're not supposed to, I also know when I've done things I love, mm -hmm. and, like, these are some of my favorite lyrics that I've ever worked on. Wow. So it's a love song to a lighthouse about, like, the prodigal daughter or son returning home to their, to their world. Okay. Okay, so lighthouse, here we go. There she is, out on the ledge of the shore. It's still the same bay as before. Where I live, where I swim. She has been burning since I was a kid. Everyone knows where she lives, where I swim, where I swim, where the ships are safe, where I live, where I swim, where the ships are safe, where I live, where I swim, where I live. Top of the tower, the wind is wet and it stings, and I laugh. I can see where I live, where I live, where I swim, where I live, where the ships are safe, where I live, where I swim. Where I live
to just do a little love button for that. <laughs> oh my, all right, but you know, now that we're going, will you sing, like will you sing the other song? I love that song. Yeah, will, you, will, you, will you sing the other song for me? Sure. Yeah, because I, I, I kind of have to hear it now before you go. Because now, okay. now, now I'm ready for a concert. That was my buddy Frank Spadafora and Jerry Music and our, our band Crisis Car, Mike and Randy. That awesome. was a really beautiful we song. We had an awesome band. We loved it. Um, I would like to go back and finish all the tunes we never recorded. Mm. Yeah, but. Uh, now this tone, I don't remember. Uh, we'll see. Whatever, you'll fake it. Yeah. I'm making up that she left me. I think I left her. I don't remember. I'm making it up. Who cares? No, you can do it, yeah. This is the Out of Love song. I love this song. Well, I heard what I needed to hear. And proceeded to finish my beer Words have two meanings And politics have leanings But you're looking for someone to steer And we could have twenty winks Or we could have twenty sides We could have twenty years Or one year twenty times and there's nothing left to say But we both keep talking anyway The honeymoon is over In two weeks you'll be older And we both had a really long day And I sit and look at you You sit and look at me I tend to mirror you Two years ago, I think. Was it really? <laughs> Probably. Hey, it was a lot longer than that than you yeah, were really? in the room. Yeah, oh, okay. it was like six years. It was like wow. a long time ago. Awesome. Um, but I'm so glad that you, and we're going to have you back to the living room because okay. now you'll be in town and yeah. be able to do it. Um, Karel Tunador, check out his music. Um, if you're looking for a vocal. Yeah. Coach, coach. instructor, are you, buddy. Are you a, life, a vocal life coach? You betcha. Vocal life coach. And, um, and next week, all right, ready for this? What? 
Michael Cole, Mod Squad. Wow. Hell yeah. Wow. And his book is called I Was the White Guy. And uh, anyway, so he'll be here and I am going to have my teenage fantasy played out in wow. front of everybody. I've got my Peggy Lipton <laughs> picture all ready to go. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us on The Road Taking. We'll you, see you next Peggy. Wednesday. Thank you, Corel. Thank you.